This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. What it appears here, there is greater punishment for those who've been once enlightened and have rejected. And God knows the heart. It's not for us to judge. Well, I think that person reject God. Don't ever put yourself. That is a dangerous thing to do. To say whether a person is going to heaven or hell. That is not your place. You may witness the person being evil, but that person, you'd be surprised. They may have repented and they'd be in the presence of the Lord. You'd be surprised you're going to find heaven. You never know what someone might be going through. They might have had the best day or the worst day. As Christians, we're called to treat everyone with kindness, no matter the circumstances, and to not judge them. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will share with you the importance of letting God do the judging. He is all-knowing and faithful. God calls us to love His people. And when we fail, we can go to Him for strength. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 as he continues his message to just live by faith. Can you imagine all that God sees every day? Judgment of God is certain. And that we can see here in verse 27, it is certain and is inescapable. You're either with Christ or against Christ. If you're against Christ, you're an adversary, you're an enemy. God knows how to judge. He's perfect. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter writes this, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve unjust, the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And that's the judgment that's going to finally take place in the millennial, uh, the millennial reign of Christ, where he'll rule and reign for a thousand years. Right now, nobody's in hell. <laughs> you know, they're going to be a hell once we get to Revelation after the great tribulation, after the church's rapture, after the great tribulation, and then there's a judgment. And we're going to see who's going to be put in the lake of fire first. It's going to be the first and second uh, false prophet, you know, the, the Antichrist, you know, the Antichrist and the false prophet. And then, those that will be judged by the books. If your name is not written in the book of life, fiery, you know, judgment. I know there's not a popular sermon. (laughs) Hey, come to church, get motivated. Uh, I think not. (laughs) Okay? But we need to know the truth. We need to know our Bibles. Verse 28, it says, anyone who has rejected Moses, now he's going to give, he's going to show, because these people are Jews, they're Hebrews, right? They just gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And they're attempting to go back, but he's going back to say, hey, listen, let's compare this. He said in verse 20, anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now, the writer is writing, is the writer of Hebrews, writing to Hebrews, and, and, and he's saying, going back in Judaism, you know that uh, full well that the judgment of those who went against the law, they will be stoned to death. And it wasn't a trial by 12, right? It was two or three witnesses. That's all you needed. 
Hey, Menachem, did you see him? Oh, yeah. Hey, Sal, come over here. Did you see? Yeah, time to stone him to death. That's how it was. Two witnesses. If they break that law, that's in Deuteronomy chapter 17, if you want to study that. And so, with the old covenant, the law, there was no mercy. They were judged without mercy. Notice that. Notice they were judged without mercy. But I'm so grateful that we don't have to live by the law. I'm grateful because of Jesus Christ. It is no longer the law. It is grace. It is grace. It is the law, the amazing grace of God. Look at verse 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be? Will he be thought worthy? Who, speaking of the apostate, he's speaking of the apostate, who has trampled the son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he, that's the apostate, was sanctified. So they're Christian. They're illuminated, they're sanctified. They had the truth. To consider what? A common thing. Trample. The son of God underfoot. And consider the sacrifice that he has done a common thing. And insult the spirit of grace. I mean, this is serious. From one to having the truth. Walk in truth. Been enlightened. Been sanctified. And now to go back. Go back to the temple. Go back to the shadow. It is a very dangerous thing to view the blood of Jesus Christ as a common thing. A common thing. Here he says to trample the Son of God on the foot. And it goes further. He ends in verse 29. This is a lot. This is serious stuff here in verse 29. And he said, and insult the spirit of grace. The spirit of grace. Do you understand all the work the Holy Spirit has done to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world? Do you understand the work that the Holy Spirit had to do uh, in order to bring salvation and to insult the Holy Spirit? Apparently, it, what it appears here, there is greater punishment for those who have been once enlightened and have rejected. And God knows the heart. It's not for us to judge. Well, I think that person rejects God. Don't ever put yourself. That is a dangerous thing to do. To say whether a person is going to heaven or hell. That is not your place. You may witness the person being evil, but that person, you'd be surprised. They may have repented and they'd be in the presence of the Lord. You'd be surprised you're going to find heaven. One can reject Jesus till their deathbed, but in their very last breath could repent to be born again and in the presence of God. Never judge it. That's what Jesus says. Hey, don't judge. Righteous judgment by knowing the wolves. Okay? Righteous by knowing their fruit. But to know where the person in their heart, you can't see in the person's heart. That's a come you can't say, well, they were never saved. How can you say that? How can you say they were saved in the first place? I think it's a dangerous thing to try to get in the place of God, thinking that who can go to heaven and who can go to hell. Jesus said, do not judge. He said, first take that big telephone pole out of your eye, that wooden peck, you know, take that speck out of your eye before you judge the other person. There's two judgments. There's a judgment to knowing their fruit. Jesus said, make judge, righteous judgment. And then there's a judgment unto condemnation. And that's a place where we should not be. Don't ever, even if you say quietly within your heart, even if you view someone, well, I thought they go to church. Look at them now. Oh, wow. <laughs> be careful. You too will be judged. 
by the measure you use, you will be judged. Be careful. Don't get into that place. Verse 30, he says, for we know, he's including himself, we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, and he's going to quote again Deuteronomy chapter 36, verse 30, I'm sorry, chapter 32, verse 36. And again, the Lord will judge his people. <laughs> judge his people. So he's talking about those because they were believers. They were the children of Israel. He's going to judge them. They knew that their fathers and their fathers after them and their forefathers knew that there was a promise of a Messiah. They knew the sacrifice was only a shadow of the original. And now they received the promise and they have rejected them. So after they have received the truth and knowledge, they sin willfully. They become apostates. They trample you know, the Son of God on the foot, and they look at his blood as a common thing. In verse 31, he said, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, God is a God of love. For God is love, the word says. But he's also a God of consuming fire. He also is a God of consuming fire. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. And this has always been the warning from the children of Israel, even to believers. We take the grace of God lightly, and we don't understand that we, we serve a God that's love. And he's also consuming fire. I don't think there's either a single man, a single man from Adam to the very last man to be born or, or at the age of accountability before the rapture that will fully understand not a single man, not you, not I, from Adam to the last, will understand, fully understand the love of God. And I'll think at the same side of the coin, there isn't a single man from Adam to the last man to uh, fully understand the wrath of God. And the only way to understand the love of God and the wrath of God is to look to the cross. Because there you see the love of God by his son dying on the cross. And there you see the wrath of God that was poured on his son that you and I deserved. We will never understand it. Never. I never get tired of thinking about the love of God on the cross. Every day. Okay, exaggeration lie. Maybe six days a week. But I think about it all the time. I say, Lord, I do not understand. I do not understand why you love me. Why you died on the cross of me. Why you took on the wrath of God. It was important. It's what Jesus said. That's why he cried to God, Father, why have thou forsaken me? Never, never in the entire time that they existed, no, that, that, that God and, and the Son never had a beginning and no end. We never would understand that. But never have ever, the, God the Father and the Son, ever been separated, ever, until the time when Jesus went on the cross for you and I. They've never been separated. It was because of his love. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. But he is both love and wrath. One thing for sure, 
we know that God is full, and he's also long-suffering. Long so those that, whether they willfully sin, those who are at the edge of backsliding, you know, or backsliding is okay. You could backslide because you can always slide back, you know. Go back to the Lord. But those who willfully denounce Christ, it's apostasy. Can they come back? Yes. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slacking concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I'm not into the predestination view. Everybody has a free will. And it says here, not willing that he is not willing that any should perish. Not the elected, not the chosen, not the special people. Any should perish, but only come to repentance. Okay, now, verses 26, 31, we see the warning of apostasy. Apostasy, now in verses 32 to 39, the exhortation to perseverance. And like a doctor who after actually, you know, carefully examines your overall health, and what does he do when he realizes, you know, Eddie, you need to stay away from the jelly donuts, right? You need to stay away from the cheeseburgers, right? And what he's going to do, give you the warning, because if you keep on, <laughs> you know, it's not so much you're going to gain weight, but you're going to get, it's not going to be healthy. It's not good for your heart. So he gives you the warning. But now he's going to give you, you know, he said, okay, why don't you do this? Stop that. Eat some Brussels sprouts, broccoli, celery. I, I'll try, please. I don't know. I'm a meditarian. I'm sorry. I just can't. You know, give me a, a burger with my salad. And so too, we see the, the right of you. He gives us the warning, but now he's going to encourage. Look at verse 32. He said, but, but, but. Here's how you, for you not to fall into apostasy. He said, hey, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated. Remember, go back. You endured a great struggle with sufferings. He's talking to Hebrew Jews, you know, Hebrew believers who gave their lives to Jesus. They've been persecuted because of Jesus. He said, remember, don't go into, fall into apostasy. Don't fall into apostasy. Remember when you were converted, you were illuminated. Remember the faith you had, the patience and the self-sacrificing love. You endured, you've been, you struggled. He said, you're doing good. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't go back. Verse 33, but recall the formal days in which after you, have, you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with suffering. Verse 33, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. Verse 34, for you had compassion on me and my chains. Now, this is where some people are led to believe that the Hebrews written by um, Paul, because Paul always talks about his chains. But again, where the Bible is silent, we stay silent, right? That's the reason why he didn't say, I, Paul, or I, John, or I, Julio, or I, whoever, right? He says, for you had compassion on me in my chains, and, joy, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourself in heaven. So these Jewish believers, they were, they, they were suffering because of the newfound faith in Christ. They were made a spectacle publicly, humiliated, right? They've been falsely imprisoned. They've been, uh, they, they took their possession. They looted their homes. They've been uh, ostracized by their family, by the community because they're Christians. 
They're worshiping a man who's been cursed on the cross. Don't worry about these things, he's saying. Remember. Don't go back. Remember. You know, this applies to us too. That's why it's, in on, it's on your lap in your Bibles. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will suffer. Yeah, you're not going to get that in TBN, by the way. <laughs> the prosperity preachers are saying, no, you know, you're going to get a lot of motive. Ten steps are better you. <laughs> With the Bible, is not about you, it's about Jesus, okay? You will suffer. Jesus promised this, as a matter of fact. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. Not great tribulation, that's the difference. Only God could give a great tribulation. If you want to know what a great tribulation is, read chapter 6 through 19 of, of the book of Revelation. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And that's just having a desire. Obviously, it's implied that if you have a desire, you will live godly for the Lord. However, the writer of Hebrews says in verse 34, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourself in heaven. All that you had lost, all that was taken away from you, nothing is compared to what God has for you in heaven. And you know, when I look at this, I look at us today, and Christians, I can't understand why, you know, Christians hold tightly to the things they have now. You hold tightly. Let it go, it's all material things. Sometimes I have family members say, well, I can't believe you let that happen. I can't believe you never say anything. They never returned it. I can't believe they returned it to you back damaged. It's all material things. I've discovered the more I give and not worry about material things, the more God gives me. I'm in like giving away mode. Why we hold things so tightly when we know that what we have in heaven is going to be greater? Everything that we have now will burn. It will perish. You can't take it with you, right? I never saw, Billy Graham had this very famous saying, I never saw Hertz, you know, somebody going to the graveyard with a U-Haul truck attached to it, right? You can't take anything with you. You know, I, I'm at a point, I want to give everything away. I, you know, I, after, you know, both my parents passed away, I can't believe the stuff I have to get rid of. I still have some of that stuff. <laughs> I said, man, that's, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, you inherit stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of junk too with it. <laughs> things we save, we never use, you know. It's amazing. You see things on the lawn, you know. The, the things that you see in the lawn, the yard sale, is the very things that one time we worked hard for. We put it on layaway. We worked three jobs for it, and all of a sudden it's on the lawn. <laughs> I don't know. It shouldn't be the heart of a Christian. There are better things waiting for you in heaven. Don't hold on to what's here. Verse 35, therefore, therefore, do not cast away. In other words, don't drift away from God. Don't become an apostate. Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Verse 37, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. He's coming, no matter what. I don't care what, you know, the, the doubters say today. He's coming. Verse 38, now the just shall live by faith. This is a very famous passage of scripture. It's mentioned four times in the entire Bible. 
the just shall live by faith. And it's important because usually when I get into, you know, discussions in the past, I would get discussion with the predestination, you know, all these people. And they say, well, you know, the just shall live by faith. Abraham, it was counted as right because he believed. Very simple. You've been saved because of belief. The just shall live by faith. Justify, justify. Because you believe. In Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4, this is where the New Testament has been quoting it. In Habakkuk it says, but the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. This is where it's first mentioned in the Old Testament. Then we come to the New Testament. In Romans chapter 1 verse 17, Paul says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed for the, from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Galatians chapter 3 verse 11, it says, but that no one is justified by the law, not by the laws of Moses, in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith, not the law. This verse, we see here also in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. This verse has changed the lives of many teachers, preachers, and theologians throughout church history. Just these verses here, the just shall live by faith. After Martin Luther read these words, the just shall live by faith, he then left the Catholic system and nailed his 95 thesis on the door of the church. Martin Luther was instrumental in influencing the Protestant Reformation, specifically topics dealing with justification by faith, that theological term, justification, sanctification, when we get to heaven is glorification, justified. Simply by believing, not because you're faced to the east three times a day, not because you go to church every day, not because you obey the commandments and the laws, by faith. He says in verse 30, now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, rejects Jesus, the only way, my soul has no pleasure in him, verse 39, but, but, we are not of those who draw back to perdition. He's talking about us. He's talking about unbelievers, us. We're not the ones. We're not apostate. We believe Jesus is the only way, but those who believe to the saving of souls. Perdition here in the Greek is to perish, to die, destruction, and waste. We're not appointed to wrath. We have been saved by grace. The only way is through Jesus Christ. So this text willfully, some people say, oh, you willfully say, you know, that's it, you're done. No, read it in context. Stop applying everything. To, yeah, that's legalism. But it's referring to those and also it's applicable for us. There is only one way and that is through the cross, Jesus Christ. Amen. Aren't you glad you decided to join us today on Running the Race? Pastor Eddie has been making his way through the book of Hebrews in a series, Jesus is Better. We're learning some great truths about Jesus coming to be all that the Old Testament had talked about. The strength of God's Word and how it's fulfilled is something mighty to ponder. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We pray that God's Word has been a discerner of your heart today. We're so glad you joined us for Running the Race. 
Running the Race is a radio ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church and hear more messages. Pastor Eddie has more to share with you in the book of Hebrews, so make sure you come back to hear more next time, here on Running the Race.